Good evening, my darlings, and welcome to Marley's Ghosts. It's time for another Dreadtime story. Now get yourselves all tucked in. Ready? Good. Let's begin. Tonight's story is The Child Who Loved a Grave by Fitzjames O'Brien. Far away, in the deep heart of a lonely country, there was an old, solitary churchyard. People were no longer buried there, for it had fulfilled its mission long, long ago. And its rank grass now fed a few vagrant goats that clambered over its ruined wall and roamed through the sad wilderness of the graves. It was bordered all around with willows and gloomy cypresses, and the rusty iron gate, seldom if ever opened, shrieked when the wind stirred its hinges, as if some lost soul condemned to wander in that desolate place forever was shaking its bars and wailing at the terrible imprisonment. In this churchyard, there was one grave unlike all the rest— The stone which still stood at the head bore no name, but instead the curious device rudely sculptured of a sun uprising out of the sea. The grave was very small and covered with a thick growth of dock and nettle, and one might tell the size that it was of a little child. Not far from the churchyard, a young boy lived with his parents in a dreary cottage. He was a dreamy, dark-eyed boy who never played with the children of the neighborhood, but loved to wander in the fields and lie by the banks of the river, watching the leaves fall and the waters ripple, and the lilies sway their white heads on the bosom of the current. It was no wonder that his life was solitary and sad, for his parents were wild, wicked people who drank and quarreled all day and all night and the noises of their quarrels were heard in the calm summer nights by the neighbors that lived in the village under the brow of the hill. The boy was terrified at all this hideous strife, and his young soul shrank within him when he heard those oaths and blows echoing through the dreary cottage. So he used to fly out into the fields where everything looked so calm and pure, and talk with the lilies in a low voice as if they were his friends. In this way, he came to haunt the old churchyard, roaming through its half-buried headstones and spelling out upon them the names of people that had gone from earth years and years ago. The little grave, nameless and neglected, however, attracted him more than all the others. The strange device of the sun uprising out of the sea was to him a perpetual source of mystery and wonder. And so, whether by day or night, when the fury of his parents drove him from his home, he used to wander there and lie amidst the thick grass and think, who was buried beneath it? In time, his love for the little grave grew so great that he adorned it after his childish fashion. He cleared away the docks and the nettles and the mulins that grew so somberly above it and clipped the grass until it grew thick and soft as a carpet of heaven. Then 
He brought primroses from the green banks of dewy lanes, where the hawthorn rained its white flowers, and red poppies from the cornfields, and bluebells from the shadowy heart of the forest, and planted them all around the grave. With the supple twigs of the silver osier, he hedged around the little simple fence, and scraped the creeping mosses from the gray headstone, until the little grave looked as if it might have been the grave of a good fairy. Then he was content. All the summer long he would lie upon it with his arms clasping its swelling mound, while the soft wind with wavering will would come and play about him and timidly lift his hair. From the hillside he heard the shouts of the village boys at play, and sometimes one of them would come and ask him to join their sports. But he would look at him with his calm, dark eyes and gently say, no. And the boy, awed and hushed, would steal back to his companions and speak in whispers about the child that loved a grave. In truth, he loved that little graveyard better than all play, the stillness of the churchyard, the scent of wild flowers, the golden checkers and sunlight falling through the trees and playing over the grass were all delights to him. He would lie on his back for hours, gazing up at the summer sky and watching white clouds sailing across it, and wondering if they were the souls of good people sailing home to heaven. But when the black thunderclouds came, bulging with passionate tears and bursting with sound and fire, he would think of his bad parents at home, and turning to the grave, lay his little cheek against it as if it were a brother. So the summer went, passing into autumn, The trees grew sad and shivered as the time approached when the fierce wind would strip them of their cloaks and the rains and the storms buffet their naked limbs. The primroses grew pale and withered, but in their last moments seemed to look up at the child smilingly as if to say, Do not weep for us. We will come again next year. But the sadness of the season came over him as the winter approached and he often wet the little grave with his tears and kissed the gray headstone as one kisses a friend that is about to depart for years. One evening, towards the close of autumn, when the woods looked brown and grim, and the wind as it came over the hills had a fierce, wicked growl, the child heard, as he was sitting by the grave, the shriek of the gate swinging upon its rusty hinges and looking up he saw a strange procession enter. There were five men. Two bore between them what seemed to be a long box covered with black cloth. Two more carried spades in their hands, while the fifth, a tall, stern-faced man clad in a long coat, walked their head. As the child saw these men pass to and fro through the graveyard, stumbling over half-buried headstones or stooping down and examining half-effaced inscriptions, his little heart almost ceased to beat, and he shrank behind the gray stone with a strange device in mortal terror. The men walked to and fro, with the tall one at their head, searching steadily in the long grass and occasionally pausing to consult. At last the leader turned and walked towards the little grave. 
and stooping down gazed at the gray stone. The moon had just risen, and its light fell on the quaint sculpture of the sun rising out of the sea. The tall man then beckoned to his companions. I have found it, he said. It is here. With that, the four men came along, and all five of them stood by the grave. The child behind the stone could no longer breathe. The two men bearing the long box laid down in the grass, and taking off the black cloth, the child saw a little coffin of shining ebony covered with silver ornaments, and on the lid, rotten silver, was the device of a sun uprising out of the sea, and the moon shone all over it. Now it's work, said the tall man, and straight away, the two that held spades plunged them into the little grave. The child thought his heart would break, and no longer able to restrain himself, he flung his body across the mound and cried out to the strange leader. Oh, sir, he cried, sobbing, do not touch my little grave. It is all I have in the world. Do not touch it. For all day long I lie here with my arms about it, and it seems like my brother. I tend it, I keep the grass short and thick, I promise you. If you will leave it to me, the next year I will plant about it the finest flowers in the meadow. Tush, child, you are a fool, answered the stern-faced man. This is sacred duty that I have to perform. He who is buried here was a child like you. But he was of royal blood, and his ancestors dwelt in palaces. It is not meet that bones like his should rest in common soil. Across the sea, a grand mausoleum awaits them, and I have come to take them with me and lay them in vaults of marble. Take him away, men, and do your work. So the men dragged the child from the grave by force and laid him nearby in the grass, sobbing as if his heart would break. And then they dug up the grave. Through his tears, he saw the small white bones gathered up and put in the ebony coffin, and heard the lid shut down, and saw the men shovel back the earth into the empty grave. And he felt as if they were robbers. Then they took up the coffin and retraced their steps. The gate shrieked once more on its hinges, and the child was alone. He returned home silent and tearless and white as any ghost. When he went to his little bed, he called his father and told him he was going to die and asked him to have him buried in the little grave that had a gray headstone with a sun rising out of the sea carved upon it. The father laughed and told him to go to sleep. But when the morning came, the child was dead. They buried him where he wished. And when the sod was padded smooth and the funeral procession departed, that night a new star came out in heaven and watched above the grave. Thank you for listening to Marley's Ghosts with me, your ghostess, Deborah Marley. 
You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Marley's Ghosts. Or send me an email at Marley's Ghosts Podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, visit my Patreon, where we have lots of tiers to choose from, each with their own special treats. Rate and review so our community of Dreadtime listeners can grow. Until next time, my darlings. Sleep well. Thank you.